Welcome to the Brain Freeze Podcast. Last October, I moderated and recorded this panel at the Facts Convention. It was an honor to talk to two of the guests there, Scott Williams and Alex Sinclair, who you know from titles such as All-Star Batman, Batman Hush, Superman for Tomorrow, and a lot more. Some of those titles won't even have Jim Lee in it. But they're a lot more than the uh, Jim Lee art shadow, and we found out we found out some of that on this panel. We called it Wildstorm Memories, as both of them have a very long history with the famed studio. We get into their recollections and stories, as well as quite a bit of process talk, in what I think turned out to be a very informative panel. Now. I missed recording the very start of this panel, so you don't hear me introducing them. We drop in unannounced, but all of it's there. I hope you enjoy it. I'll see you next time. I would say probably that... Um, Wildstorm is very linked to uh, the starting days of Image. Oh, no doubt. Uh, and uh, and uh, but y you go ahead. You you know all of this better than I no, do. No, uh, no, it's it, it, it. Wildstorm, as it became Wildstorm, was a function uh, of of the need to create a place for creators to come because comics were sort of blowing up. This is roughly uh, the, the early '90s and. and Actually, prior to Wildstorm, there was a, a smaller studio, which we called Homage Studios, which was basically just Jim Lee, Wills Portacio, and myself, and that was mostly just three lonely artists, because by by definition, uh, doing art is a very solitary process, and most, sure. most creative people want to be around other creative people. And to, to Mark Silvestri, was he at Mark some Silvestri point? Mark eventually came in, yeah. it, it, it tended to grow, and the, yeah. it was Homage Studios, it was, it was when we were still doing... The, a lot of the Marvel work, um, uh, X Men and, and Wolverine that Mark Silvestri was doing, and and then uh, that some point we kind of transitioned into uh, the 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 Image universe, and then started uh, bringing in uh, more and more people to to, to support sure. the growing uh, publishing business. And very soon after it 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 uh, was was formed, and actually I think when you joined, was it still Homage Studios? Mm -hmm. It was still yeah. Homage Studios. It hadn't. So the, and so actually Homage Studios and Wildstorm sort of coexisted within one place for, for, for a while. Wildstorm was sort of the you know was sort of Jim Lee's uh, sort of specific company uh, that, that, that he used to, to branch off. But for many years it was when you would call the studio, uh, even in, in the mid to late '90s, they would still answer the phone, Homage Studios. Yeah. As opposed to as opposed to Wildstorm, but so but so, but so it, so it was both. So yeah, so basically it was created uh, in order not only to facilitate the growth in in the business, but be, because creative people tended to want to work with other creative people. It pushes you. Yeah. It, you see and talk about ideas that maybe by yourself. And this is also. I mean, the internet was still pretty, you know, relatively new, so there wasn't as much opportunity to, you know, connect with yeah. people. Yeah, that yeah, way, you, so. you had the conventions. Yeah, uh, maybe the the occasional uh, submission. 
Oh yeah, we got uh, tons of yeah, <laughs> unsolicited, <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah, and so and, and, and early on, the submissions were were invited. They were asked for because yeah. we were we were trying to, to to bring in new people. But I'm yeah, probably getting ahead of. No, 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 that's fine. Um, so uh, Wildstorm was um, uh, uh, obvious as a as a choice of name, but uh, uh, homage. Was sort of uh, was that was wasn't a, that like a bit of a joke? It was a bit of a joke. Yeah, yeah and, and and it was and it was and I even remember, uh, I honest to God, I remember the day that we kind of joked about it. I was, this was when Homage Studios. Uh, so if you want the whole story, so Homage Studios literally was three friends getting together: Wells Portacio, Jim Lee, and myself. There was no office space. There was no copy machine. There was no secretary. There was nothing. It was it was usually. My 1,100 square foot condominium in San Diego, we would get together, we would work in a small room, it was just the three of us, we'd set up three, three drawing tables, but we came together not only for companionship and for ideas, but we all tended to admire... Uh, the same artists, the same type of work, the same comic books, um, and you could tell that we sort of referenced a lot of the same artists that came before us, the sure. generation that, ins- that that inspired us. And so when we would be drawing the comics or inking the comics, uh, we'd say, "Oh, that's really good. That's that's like a that's like a cool Kevin Nolan riff that you did there, or that's yeah. kind of a cool Neil Adams riff." It's like. Or, or swipe, or, yeah. or, or, <laughs> or you, stole, you stole that from, from Neil Adams or Jack Kirby or whatever. And it was like, no, 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 I we didn't, I didn't steal that. It's, I homaged it. I homaged yeah. So, and we, and it, and it came up enough times to where, when we started realizing that this was something that was going to be a part of us, we said, well, we need a, we need a studio name, and the homage joke had sort of happened enough times to where it's like, well, we could just call ourselves Homage Studios, <laughs> even though we. We felt like we were being original and that we weren't stealing. Yeah, stuff. blatantly stealing. But, but it was clear that 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 we were referencing other artists. So so it just it just became it became a joke, and then eventually it's like, well, I guess I guess we're homage. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and <laughs> later on, uh, homage became its own imprint. But we'll talk about yes, that maybe a little later. Yeah. Um, so uh, let me see here. You, um, yeah, the, the 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 first titles released from Wildstorm were Wildcats and Stormwatch. Yeah, uh, which um, I guess most of the time are are in their inception, sort of reductively called uh, that. That's um, X Men and Avengers. Yeah, I mean, I think there was there was no doubt that that there was sort of an inherent risk involved in going yeah. from. Or the sure thing at Marvel. I mean, it was not a. It was not a short. Nobody, nobody knew if going from Marvel with the with the characters that had been around for for decades, mm-hmm. and everyone knew who X Men was and who Fantastic Four and Avengers and X. You know, no one knew if doing our own imprint was going to work. So there was a little bit of a calculation. Well, if we're going to take this chance, let's. And we seem to have had some level of success with the X Men or, yeah, or, 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 or team books or whatever. Yeah. So we'll do something similar and hopefully eventually find our own voice and create something that was new and, and, and interesting. And I think eventually, I think you did find, I think, I think like, for example, Wildcats really did start as very much of, a, yeah. of an X-Men style book. But I think, um, ironically, after Jim and I left the book, 
and it, and different creators came yeah. in, it really did find its own right. voice. I think we, I think there's yeah. no doubt our stuff was very kind of yeah. I think X-Men-ish. I think the, the original writer Brandon Choi right. had had uh, definitely had some voices for uh, for the characters, but um, you know, the, uh, image famously was. Um, Created by uh, artists and not writers, sure. yeah. and the, the writers sort of, the, the, you know, uh, Brandon Choi. Um, I can't recall who the uh, was it Eric Silvestri who yeah, did Cyberfur, Cyberforce. Who weren't exactly right. established names. No, no, and right. I, I, there's there's no it's no secret that I think it, uh, you know Image in particular started as much more of a of an art of an art brand mm-hmm. uh, and just sort of sort of hope for the best as far yeah. as the, the, the stories went. But I also think that the, the market taught us something in that we would get feedback and said, boy, these books look great, but some of the writing, it, it's pretty hit and miss. Sometimes it worked, sometimes yeah. it didn't, but can you, you know, can you make the writing as great as the art? Yeah. And I think eventually, again, as, as time progressed, I, well, think the, I think the writing did get much because we got... We yeah, better writer. Yeah, you got yeah. Uh, Chris Claremont yeah. uh, came in yeah. for a while, and then you had uh, a young young James like Robinson. Yeah, and then and so, Al someone. Moore yeah, and, you know, who? You know, <laughs> right. So you know, <laughs> to, to have you say a few words, uh, Alex. You're um, you came in as a colorist to yeah. uh, Wildstorm Studios. Yeah. So I think uh, kind of going back to Scott kind of touched on it at some point when when uh, the company was established and the studio was going to grow. They had a talent search. Uh, it was actually printed on the back cover of Wildcats number two, uh, and it, it was a call for writers, pencilers, inkers, colorists, letters, everything. I have to pick up my water too. Uh, and at that time, I had been showing my portfolio, and I was showing pencils and inks and colors, and everybody always liked, liked my color and critiqued yeah. everything else. Uh, <laughs> and 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 I made a, a very conscious effort to to just send color samples and thinking. I can get my foot in the door with color, and I'll eventually pencil. And this was still like um, you doing watercolors or markers on on a, a stat page, right? So it yeah. was it was uh, it was watercolors, it was markers, it was pencils, uh, and it was really just painting on photocopies. Uh, and again, without the internet, you had to go hunt for black and white versions of of of, of books. And ash cans were popular at the time, so I bought ash cans and then blew up the. Yeah. The photocopies, so that I can send samples in like that. And then back then, you used to code each color uh, because the process was that you you had a palette of like 372 colors, and you had to designate what color you wanted specifically there, so that then they would do the separations and they would print. Uh, so I sent everything coded, uh, and I think within a couple of weeks, I got a call from Jim, and Jim was like, "Hey, you know, we got your samples; they're great." Just so you know, we don't code anymore. <laughs> so that's that was cool. a waste of time. Months <laughs> learning the code. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it but was I guess one of those I guess that that is just the, like the, um, the the time where all of those things sort of all of those established skills like like um, pasting on lettering and things yeah. like oh, that yeah. sort of the, the whole transition. manual production yes. Yep. Uh, yep. that 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 transitioned out and, and that was just. Uh, coincidental it just, yeah. we just yeah. happened to be forming this company and this way of working at a time when the technology this is, yeah this is also happening. when richard starkings and and yeah. his comic craft right. came up yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah yeah and and that was and i mean that was actually again part of the reason that image formed there's a lot of different reasons but one of the small reasons was the fact that we were able to take control uh and push the technology of yeah. from a coloring standpoint because again we were all artists 
especially early well, on. We were all artists, and the fact that you know the X Men print like garbage, coloring was very simply separated, yeah, and yeah. we knew that there was this computer coloring possibility that would open up a lot of doors. We weren't quite sure, I think, especially early on, exactly how big it was going to be. Maybe John Nee, who was the, the, the manager at, at uh, Amish Studios at Wildstorm early on and was, and was hired by Jim Lee uh, and a, a, you know, a smart guy. He, he probably saw the potential. I didn't. I had, I had no idea that within a very few short number of years that the, the, the coloring would really take and, over and, yeah. and yeah. become because, such uh, an important part then and and today and I mean that was really the sort of yeah. the launch point of a complete renaissance in yeah. color work the, the, he's, 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 yeah he's we, we've talked about a, a bit about the good and bad of, of coloring on uh, yeah, our sure. inking panel sure. but sure. we'll definitely come back to that but um, uh, also uh, Image was first published by or distributed by uh, Malibu who also went on to create um because they were eventually bought by uh, Marvel for their coloring acumen, and, and right? And their Malibu coloring studio. It was just for dis- distribution. Yeah, distribution. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they, were, yeah. they were already set up yeah. to dis- distribute comics. And anytime you're starting a new publishing venture, there's all the infrastructure. Sure. If it's not there, you've got to build it from scratch, and it's not yeah. easy. No. So, but, but you did that, uh, or, or you were a part of it, of, of building that uh, coloring infrastructure. Right. They so. Kind of when I started, I didn't even know what Photoshop was. Yeah. Uh, in fact, Jim flat out asked me, hey, do you know what Photoshop is on the phone? I said, I don't know what that is. And, but he should have lied. Yeah, well, it didn't matter. Well, yeah, he yeah, followed yeah. it up with some questions like, do you know what a lasso tool is? Do you know what a pencil tool is? Do you know what a bucket tool is? And I had an application on my Mac classic black and white yeah, computer like paint. that was called Super Paint, and it had yeah. those specific tools. Uh, so I said, yeah, I know what that is. And he just said, why don't you come in? See what you think, uh, and, and, and maybe if it works out, uh, we can do something. And, and sure enough, I kind of came in, spoke to Jim, spoke to John Nee, and, and, and basically they sat me in front of a computer and they said, just play with it, see what you can think. And they gave me a book about Photoshop. And I taught myself Photoshop <laughs> sure. in a week. Uh, I just painted, and I came back every day, and I would paint it, and I painted, and I painted on the, on the computer. And, and, and after two weeks of trial and error and trying stuff out, and Jim's like, well, why don't you stay on? It seems to be working on, and and, and uh, it was that was the beginning of our coloring department. How do we how do we do digital color? And we're going to make that full transition. And, but the heart of, at the heart of that, Joe Chida was was our coloring department. Yeah. He was he came doing, in he came in real early. Well, actually, well yeah, he was still doing yeah. novel work. Yeah, right. He, he was sort of like after Jim and Wills and myself. He was sort of the next guy because we started to realize. Yeah, okay, you needed got, an, got, an entire got production team. We've got inkers. Okay, so what's the next logical step? Let's see if you know some some somebody who can do color. Yeah. You know, and so the, and so Joe Chido sort of was in a lot of ways, at least from an artistic standpoint, sort of the father of the color theory of Homage and Wildstorm yeah. Studios. From a, but he was relatively. I mean, he was he was almost a luddite. I mean, he 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 did no computer work. Yeah. So it took it took it took uh, Alex and John Nee, the two of them, really, from a technical technical standpoint, and and with the computers, they were the ones who really kind of got the ball rolling yeah. and, and learned how to apl- apply yeah. the Chido sort of color theory sure. into digital into the digital yeah. world. Yeah, and Joe wanted nothing to do with computers. Uh, he was fine doing the guides and 
uh, I actually did some time helping him with guides. Uh, and I learned so much from Joe about color, and I, I agree with you. I think he's like the godfather of mo- modern-day coloring. Him and Steve Olaf yeah. uh, just kind of infuse so their own kind of approach to color in so many of us that are that are now you know big names in the industry. Yeah. And they did it, in su- and back then they did it in such a different way. It's not it's not done this way anymore. Yeah. But he would do these. He would Joe Chido or, or Olaf would get these uh, uh, black and white photocopies, and and they would do these elaborate painted marker colored pencil color guides that were little works of art under yep. themselves and then give them to the computer colors to try to translate it to try to turn yeah. and, and i mean basically replicate as best they yeah. could yeah. the color theory sure. the, the, the textures and and and, and the, uh, so you really had to replicate all of that um right. th- there wasn't like a uh a way to, to simply scan them? Nope. No, and it was. Th- I mean, we went straight to just we got our paint this by hand. Uh, other colorists kind of came in. They tried to use filters and stuff to make it look like that, and it failed right and left. Uh, uh, so I, I think from the very beginning, we knew that the best way to, to get this to work was you get an artist, a painter, and you teach him Photoshop. And that's yeah. when, when I think we made that 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 decision that. Uh, Photoshop was going to be a medium for us, much like oil paint and watercolor. We're going to treat it like medium. We're going to have to just kind of master it. And, and that's the best way to get that black and white page to look like what this guy looks like right now. Yeah. Um, and then that... that and that, that uh, eventually evolved into Wildstorm FX. Yeah. Which... Um, and because uh, on some books, uh, you have as a colorist uh, Wildstorm FX. That meant it was a team effort. Right. And, and yeah. the way we worked that was we had a, a main colorist, an art director, with a team of maybe three other colorists or four with him or her, and we'd all color the pages, but the, they were all being sent back to the art director, and the art director was touching them up yeah. to, so that there was a consistency. Yeah, consistency, so sure. Uh, and and that, that we were definitely kind of following what the guides were, um, were dictating. Yeah. And, and so that's, uh, I think at some point we had... Twenty-five yeah. or thirty. And it, was, it, was actually, it was actually a major component of the studio to the point where it became a major selling point. Once, once, once Wildstorm ran its course and we became part of DC, one of the big prizes for them was the coloring department. Yeah, that, that, I, I recall when, when that sale went through, uh, a lot of DC books suddenly had yep. Wildstorm effects as their colors, yep. yeah. right? Yeah. And um, some famous. Uh, Names have have come from Wildstorm Effects. Mm-hmm. There was um, yes. David Barron, Laura Martin, mm-hmm. Justin Ponser, Justin Ponser, Jeremy right? Cox. Yeah, um, ah, he was from there as well. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, we all and some guys, some guys who actually were brilliant colorists and computer colorists who eventually dropped out of sort of the comic book world. Yeah. who could yeah. have been as as whatever whatever a coloring superstar in comics could be these guys could have been and for a short period of time were but for other opportunities or other concerns arose yeah. and they, and they, and, they, and they left but there were some guys that that for a very short period of time if you were like a hardcore wildstorm fan you'd go like oh that's colored by Homer Rays he's he's, yeah. he's brilliant but what how long did his career in comics last yeah, just a few years true. and then yeah. he went off and did something else you know sure yeah. And yeah, it was just the, yeah. the different callings that people had, and, and it wasn't just and it wasn't just coloring. We had, I mean, that that was one of the appeals uh, again of the studio. It wasn't just the functionality of having, you know, 
uh, a whole produ- a production to pur- as it to were to yeah. we yeah. were attracting really the next wave of Absolutely. great artists yeah. we sure. bring in Jeff Scott Campbell and Travis Sheree and Brad Booth and Lee Bermejo Lee Bermejo I mean, it's just a, you know it was a, it was a, I guess Adam Hughes was already established but he, he was, was there for a while and, and that was that was more of a, a visiting of a artist thing. that was like yeah. that was him taking a bit of a sabbatical from what was normal for him and and give it, getting an opportunity to work in a different place and and, sure. and enjoy the process and he did hit the the the, the Gen thirteen um, so and, and uh, at that time um, the, um, the the studio was it was an actual physical uh, yeah, so right, uh, place so, so that, that that had these artists we did yeah we started we, we started as a as a as again as yeah, sort of as like a, 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 three. A, 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 a small bedroom and then it became a one bedroom apartment and then it became a two bedroom apartment and then it became actual office space that was maybe two thousand square feet and uh-huh. then it became office space that became four thousand square feet and that's when and then after that we took everybody across town to a different part of of San Diego which is where it was based and and got a I don't even know what the square footage we Gigantic. I think I think at the peak of Wildstorm I think we had over a hundred uh, yes. uh, employees yeah. so we had two floors production facilities computers uh, um, offices, specific offices for for editorial for production for the artists for, you know it was it, it was it was massive but that was also when comics were on a real big growth spurt yeah. and then a, a couple of years later comics really really took a hit uh, market forces and and all kinds, all kinds of, of things all sure. kinds of bad decisions the were made speculator yeah, market speculating uh, market exploding, people sure. promising comics yeah. that couldn't be delivered uh, comic shops going under all kinds of <laughs> like but that, that was something things. that um, I always noticed uh, in interviews that the um, the editorial um, mandate was very loose right uh, it was very easy to get something greenlit at, oh, yes. uh, at Wildstorm. That's, that's, I mean. that's actually very true. We, yeah. we, some of the creative people sort of picked on that last panel we did with uh, Jeff Scott Campbell. He was he was he talked about being very surprised at how easy it was to come up with an idea, and as long as you could kind of get somebody else fired up about it. You know, <laughs> would it's like, it. this is kind of what I was thinking, and, and yeah. it's, I'm willing to do it. And I'll put in, you know, I'll put in the time yeah. and editorial. Go, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Okay, let's do that. Yeah. So it was, yeah. it was, it was, it was pretty loose, and it was, it was again one of the appeals of of being privately, you know, being a self functioning uh, sure. studio. There wasn't, there weren't a whole lot of bosses or boards of directors that you had to like, you know, yeah. get things checked off. Everybody yeah. just kind of. We're all, we're at the end of the day. Most people who get into comics, either from a creative standpoint or from an editorial standpoint, they, they're all comic fans. It's really rare to find people that that get into this business who aren't comic fans. And so, it doesn't take much to get people excited. Talk about a project. Talk about an art team. Talk about a writer. Talk about an inker and a colorist. And it's like, oh yeah, okay, let's do it. You know, and, and that's what every, whether you are whether you you are the artistic team or editorial. It's oh yeah, yeah, yeah let's do that. That's cool. Sure, that's cool. Yeah. That's all really. Yeah, it's, and, if it's cool. And that's that's probably how um, ABC came about as well, or or how I don't know if either of you were really involved in in ABC becoming a part of Scott of Wildstorm. Yeah, that was that was yeah. that was really. Um, um, Scott's baby, but I think that was also again uh, uh, a function of at that point, 
sort of the comics industry was trying to trying to grow up, and it, and and there was a lot more uh, decision making that we can't just rely on pretty pictures. We can't uh, just sort of do a X-Men analog. We really have to sort of push the... And we all yeah. wanted to push the artistic sure. boundaries yeah. Yeah. And, and, and bringing in fresh blood, whether it was a new guy or whether it was someone as established as, as Alan Moore. Um, and obviously, Alan Moore at that point, I mean, anything post-Watchmen, you bring Alan Moore in and you're going to generate sales. And let's make... As much as we're talking about how wonderfully creative comics were are and were and Wildstorm was a fun place to work at at the end of the day it's a business and so if you're bringing in an Alan Moore to create a universe and and uh, uh, create comics that, that, that people want to read that's going to translate into sales and that sure. there's we really needed to keep sales at a certain level in order to facilitate the infrastructure that we were building, the number of people that worked there, and even with bringing in the Alan Moores or the Warren Ellis's of the world, sales and comics declined. We no longer had two stories. We get rid okay. of that top yeah. story, and yeah. and people lost jobs. Yeah, and bundled everything down into to one story. Um, so it's it it became. It became. It started off. It, it started off small. It became big, excessive, yeah. and then it Maybe got excessive. Yeah. Then, right. then, then it got leaner and meaner and and somewhat more yeah. efficient. Yeah. Um. Uh. Well, Warren Ellis. I think neither of you were really involved with the work he produced. Not. Not. Not as much. No. But he. He is sort of the. Um, the. The point where, uh, at least from a story standpoint. Uh, the the whole of the studio changes. The, 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 it, it seems to me that there is a clear pre and post Warren Ellis to to Wildstorm, right? And anything that is produced now has at least, if if not very directly, tangentially his um, DNA all over yeah, it. Yeah, and I think that you saw the kind of sway go from from, and it was uh, uh, very apparent in that. The, the the main title switch from being Wildcats or yeah. Divine Right, all of a sudden Stormwatch is getting a lot of attention because Warren's on it and he's yeah. launching this book called Authority, and all of a sudden and so yeah I think it becomes this uh, the voice of the studio is is now coming out of someone yeah. else's uh, mouth and yeah I, ga- I guess Warren. I shouldn't uh, um, really. Um, the, the Joe Casey on Wildcats was at least critically yeah. acclaimed, but I, yeah, I guess largely forgotten now, unfortunately, because it wasn't. Uh, well, that I think I think anytime you it was something else. You're right? comics or movies or TV. Everybody's got favorites. Yeah, I mean, sure. there's, there's some stuff that we produce, and I'm not going to get into it. But there's some stuff yeah. we produce that I'm, I'm not a fan of. <laughs> People bring up to me and say, "Oh, this is my favorite comic. I love this." I'm going. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not saying this out loud, but, but I, I guess really? I guess you th- like this. <laughs> it's like okay, yeah, but you start to realize, you know, everything, everything is somebody's is somebody's favorite. Something so, and I, you know, I, I would think you know the the the, the Warren Ellis years generated a lot of favorites for people. Yeah, and what what I'm hearing is is they weren't yours. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm talking. I'm talking. I'm talking purely just 
Yeah, it was completely baiting you. I'm sorry. And I think uh, a lot of us were fans of Warren's at the work. Sure. And all of a sudden, we're all, we're all reading Planetary and, uh, and Authority oh, yeah. at the office because it was, it was definitely uh, it was good work. The, the, the acclaim that it was getting uh, with the fans and with the critics, uh, I think we felt the same way within the studio about yeah. it. And I was actually pretty, I mean, again, this is, this is r- relatively early uh, internet era and I was pretty oblivious yeah. to what the critics were saying I, and, and I being in the art department I really didn't keep tabs on sales so, which I guess is sort of the ultimate barometer of whether or not something is successful or, yeah. or, or, or not but uh, I just liked what I liked and if, it, if it's old it's old if it didn't yeah, and, and yeah. Joe Casey's Wildcats if nothing else produced um, or, or developed Dustin Nguyen who yeah, we, sure. d- we yeah. didn't mention before yeah. um, uh, Alex uh, we were talking about the the, the editorial at um, Wildstorm you were part of the editorial staff for a while I did. How, how did that happen so when DC took over Wildstorm when they bought the, the, the studio I was running the, the coloring department uh, and one of the rules that DC had as a company is that you couldn't do freelance work in the same department that you worked at during the day. So uh, the Jim and, and John were very aware that I was doing freelance work for DC uh, while still running the coloring department. While some, so when and that, that, that freelance work was yeah. uh, coloring as well. Right. Right. So yeah. it, it was very cool of him to say, well, look, Alex is this kind of weird entity that we're allowed to do this, but it can't happen under the DC umbrella. So what, what ended up happening, I actually worked, uh, I got moved into the, uh, I became an art director for our design department for a few years. So that allowed me to come into the office, uh, do graphic logo, book design, and even some of the toy design early on, and and go home and do some freelance coloring. Because by then I had some of the tiles that I was working on. I was already on Astro City. Uh, and and uh, some ABC titles, yeah, some some books here and there that I was doing that I didn't want to let go of, and I would sure. have to if if I was going to stay in the coloring department. Um, and so I I did a few years in the design department, and then after a while, I kind of felt like okay, I've done my time. I need something new. An editor had just left. Uh, I think it was Eric DeSantis, and an opening came up, and I went to Scott Dumier, who was the editor in chief, and I said, hey, you know interested it's the one part of the facet of, of the sure. studio life that i haven't really experienced i've done the artist the the graphic designer and and then this is kind of a different kind of approach it'd be cool to get involved in the creative process early on in the book in the discussion of the book and then kind of feel feel it through the, until it hits print and so uh, I, I i went into the editing department and realized that i didn't like it immediately is a different kind of creative process that I just did, didn't appeal to me it was hard to get stuff greenlit because by then DC was in charge so you, you have to kind of push everything to different uh, people so it was kind of hard to get stuff going uh, and I felt more and more that it was more about babysitting a project than actually helping create one and for me it just just did not appeal to me. But the, the and and s- some of the titles you were an editor on, like uh, um, Matador. Yeah. Um, and, and that uh, was my favorite part, working with yeah. with guys like Brian Stelfreeze, yes, sir. Wills on 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 Wetworks. Wetworks. Uh, uh, the Team Achilles was actually a really fun book to work on. Uh, and uh, so the discussions that I would have I with Ben so Abernathy you edited that. He or was that? I'm sorry. I passed <laughs> I, I'm, I'm finding out something I didn't realize. So, yeah. So, I edited so much Team Achilles from 
from the first issue oh, you did? that Micah wrote. Okay. Uh, and then when I left, I think Ben took it oh, over. Okay. Um, but uh, it was some of the discussions that I would have with the writer or the artist or seeing the art. That was my favorite part of the day. Uh, but it was not most of the day. Yeah. A lot of the day was uh, just being on the phone, which I hate. Uh, talking to machines, which I hate. Uh, getting lied to about deadlines, which I hate. <laughs> so yeah. it was it was a part, of, and, and it made me really appreciate what an editor goes through, that now as a freelancer, I, I always answer the phone, I always return the email, I always, <laughs> even if it's not what they want to hear, yeah. they want to hear it. And I, I, I learned that, and I think it made me a better freelancer to be on that side of it. So I, I took that out of it, but if I had it to do over, I would not go into it. Yeah. But it, it did give you uh, uh, a renewed respect for oh, for the actual appreciation work. for yeah. that that position. Yeah, and you got to yes, yes. you know you got to remember that all these creative guys are various degrees of efficiency, <laughs> responsible <and> responsibility <laughs> to, to 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 non-efficiency, yeah, and non-responsible. Sure. And so what he says is it's it, it is a lot about coaxing and babysitting and and trying to get the real yeah. read on I, d- I don't think i would have wanted to be the editor on uh, wi- wildcats when it when it had travis Shuray on it yeah that was <laughs> awesome. and, and 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 there's and he's just the tip of the iceberg as far as guys who did brilliant work and yeah. you hate to rush such beautiful absolute artwork right. and it's but hard there are there are some guys that are that aren't really hardwired to do comics because most comics are generally even even today are still monthly. So there's an X number of pay, twenty, let's say twenty pages and a and a cover on a monthly basis. And that's that's the business model that you sort of count on. And there are some guys that just can't do it. And it takes them a while to find out. Unfortunately, the amount of time it takes to find out that you're not up for that, deadlines get missed, books don't get yeah. shipped hearts are broken <laughs> you know fist fights break yeah. out and, and, there were like screaming and, and, matches uh, in the studio yeah. about oh wow promise this was good. And, and it was actually a very mellow studio but there does come a breaking point for a lot of people especially when things are promised and they're not delivered or, or people would disappear yeah. like some of these guys I mean a lot of these guys would come into the, and it was a very it was a very open sort of lax studio for the most part you wanted to come into the studio and, and work with, with your fellow artists But you could kind of tell sometimes when people were falling, artists were falling behind on their deadlines because all of a sudden they they weren't showing up. And again, they weren't they didn't have to. But you sort of kind of got a clue of yeah, if they're oh, not showing you know, up, uh oh. I'll, I'll just pick on Travis because why the hell not? He's not here. <laughs> you know, if Travis wasn't showing up, it's like oh, we haven't seen Travis for a few days. This is probably not good, right? Yeah. So book's not gonna make it. Book maybe in trouble. Yeah. And you and you learn, and then and then event, and then hopefully because we're again we're all such you know comic fans and dorks and geeks. We 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 want if Travis, so we'll just keep picking on him. If Travis can't do the monthly book, well, let's figure out a way that we can have him do work for us. But it's a different structure. It's a different schedule. It's more open, and then you get so then you get books like X Men Wildcats, right? That is like there's there's Travis Travis Light, but but it's still killer doing Wildcats and then like this guy shows up doing artwork for X-Men Wildcats and going holy shit look at you know and that is a a venue and an avenue and a way of working for him that worked better still wasn't 
yeah. ideal at the end I, because it was I, still I, tough I, to get the, get if, the if final page. Picking on him, why not? Uh, I, th- th- didn't he do like just under a decade on on a single Meta Barons? Uh, yeah, but, that, but he was like that. after he left. That was after yeah, yeah. He was in he was in France when he was doing that. And yeah. it, but at, that, at that point, it's like okay, he's he's, yeah. he's France's problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's hard to get angry at someone that like That's Travis. Yeah, he's such a sweet guy. Does turn in that page? Absolutely. Right. stare and drool and love every little bit of that piece that page that panel yeah. uh, so you want to keep that talent yeah and, and that's why you kind of restructure around do, do you think um, a more like a um, more structured approach maybe like a, a contract or something like that would have helped nope, that no no no, no. no. <laughs> no. Uh, people are people, there are some artists and art, I mean artists are sort of a lot of them not everyone but a lot of them are sort of in their own world and they the world the t- time passes in a very different way with certain artists and mm. so you would not believe some of the sacrifices artists made by making promises that they that if they didn't keep this promise x would happen so at, so when that deal was struck you go, okay well, well we'll definitely get the work from him because if x it, will if happen x yeah. will happen yeah. Didn't matter. It didn't matter. Didn't matter. Yeah. They yeah. work didn't come in, yep. and 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 they knew they were screwing up, and they just yeah. couldn't help it. And I don't want to give the impression that everybody was like this. We had a lot of guys that but you, you, you produced a lot of books, so it's yeah, it's clear that that's a lot of guys. That's more outliers than something else. You know, try to make a, try to make allowances, um, and at least at least with with guys like Travis, you could you could sort of understand. You could look at the work, and you go, I could see why that page would take two weeks. You know, some guys. You look at the work. It's like, okay, that's that looks like a day's work, and it took you two weeks to do it. That's not acceptable. With Travis, you kind of go, oh, I can see why that yeah. might take two weeks to do. So, you know, some guys yeah. got a little more latitude. Sure. Um. So, uh, let's see. Where where did I want to go? Um. I lost my train of thought now. Does anybody have any questions? Yeah, well, we'll yeah. maybe go into questions. I think questions. that's a good if idea. Not, we'll, we'll we'll keep talking. But if you got something, does someone uh, want to ask something? Anybody curious? No. You've got, got one. Here. I've got uh, a mic for you so we can record you. There you go. Hi. Um, did you have a favorite artist? I mean, I mean uh, yeah, artist. Like, like, like pet artists. Right? Like, yeah. yeah. In, in the studio that, that were being developed, right? In the studio or just in comics or both? Oh. Yeah, well, I mean, we're artists. How we much bought, time you got? Yeah, we've always got cameras. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a million. Um, Let's start with the studio, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, the guys that the guys that I work with directly, there was always a there was always a connection, you know, and and because I mostly worked as an inker, there was a very symbiotic kind of relationship. So if I'd work with Jim or Mark Silvestri or Will Spertasio or Jeff Scott Campbell or I even inked a little Travis, we did like a Wildcats annual. So you inked him on his on his first work on that Wildcats special. Right, right. Mm-hmm. That, well, that's, that's, yeah, that's one I was thinking of, um, and and even a little bit in the X Men Wildcats. But, anyways, um, so there's always a, a, a connection because I'm seeing it coming in just pristine, coming off. I mean, I'm seeing the the artistry and the imagination, and it's like right there before anyone else has gotten to see it, before anyone's touched it, before it's gotten inked or colored or lettered on or, or anything. And, and oh, you know, some of the some of the Travis stuff, the and Jim's, and, I mean, all these guys. They would do 
these amazing pages and amazing backgrounds, and you know, we talked about this at the last panel. You know that a lot of it's going to get covered up by word balloons and copy. Yeah, I mean, mm. that's just part of the part of the deal. And you're you can kind of like tell by looking at the layout, sort of where copy is going to be covering up the art. But you can't just like say, well, I'll just kind of bang out this area here because it's going to probably get covered up anyways. You don't know for sure, and you don't want to be that guy who does like I'll do sh- a <laughs> shitty little area here but, I'll, but the rest will look look great um, uh, so it was always it was always sort of heartbreaking to 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 see this beautiful pencil work and then and then I'd like kill myself because the stuff was so good I would try to not be the, the weakest link and I you know and get it inked and then color it and then like all these word balloons word balloons would yeah. cover, cover up all, 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 all so yeah so I mean those guys always have a have a, a special place in my heart and and to a large extent it was also some guys that became sort of favorites again within the studio were the guys that sort of astonished me because they came in as these raw untested rookies I mean when like Travis the, came in he yeah. was really just kind of a Jim Lee wannabe yeah it was good I mean, he got hired because he was really good but it looked yeah. just kind of like a variation on on Jim stuff um, and Jeff Campbell came in and his stuff was kind of rubbery and kind of cartoony but there was something there you, you knew it was but these guys got so good so yeah. fast yeah. I mean you saw the light bulb go off over their head and then within like two months or six months or they went from being like really good to being oh my god these guys are you know so and so th- did either of you for instance uh, specifically mentor some of the um, I think the that, artists in well, the studio I, you know, that was actually you know Jim's not here but he really was a mentor for a lot yeah. of these guys he really took because he it was you know it, he really took them under under his wing and saw the responsibility uh, uh, that 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 he had for kind of making these guys take the risk of leaving wherever they came from because most of these guys weren't from where the studio was in San Diego, California. They were from all over the place, yeah. and so they had to they had to you know leap of faith. They had to pack up and move either themselves and or their family and 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 take a chance. So I think Jim took that really uh, seriously, and he's good at it. He's got yeah. he's got a terrific eye for what's working and be able to break down like why you know. This looks okay, but if you did this, this might improve your storytelling, or this might improve the flow of a, of, of the page. And he liked doing it too. Yeah. Um, I would help a lot with some of the inkers, but that's a that's a that's a bit it's a bit more technical. Inking is a, is, a, is more it, it's an art form, but it's also a craft. And I could show guys, you know, some things that are that are, are more technical. Um, yeah. And I would and I would happily do that. And some of the and some of the artists because I was sort of the generation prior to them. Uh, would would ask me for input, and I'd be happy to do that. But I think Jim does not uh, get enough credit for taking the the Jeff Campbells and Travis Sherays of the world, and 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 really sort of making them the stars that yeah. they become. And it's, they they will actually give him credit. They yeah. will say if you interviewed them, they would say, "Yeah, I had a great you know great training system. I had um, I had Homage Studios and Wildstorm Studios, and Jim Lee personally like would would really like." Help yeah. and show yeah. me, show me. He the was ropes. really there. Like, you know, yeah, I mean, you could do a lot worse than having Jim Lee like yeah. show you how to do comics. Well, I think that definitely helps if you're if you're packing up and moving to some sure. place unfamiliar. Sure. Yeah, that that there, he's not leaving you by yourself, but right. he's really. Uh, 
right? Making it worth it, yeah. And the thing is, it also created, it created uh, again, some of that, what we talked about earlier, a little bit of a healthy competition in that right. you know, we we already had... For, for, uh, to, 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 uh, uh, that they all wanted uh, uh, Daddy Jim's uh, uh, favor, right? I think we... Because, and I was exactly the same way. Everybody who did comics before I got into the business were the masters, and I yeah. always like looked up to them and wanted yeah. to be like them and wanted yeah. to make a, a place for myself in comics like them, but never had any real expectation of that. But And these guys, we were sort of like, again, that, that mini generation just prior to them, because at that time, we'd only been in comics for five, six, seven years. So it's not like we were like these old grizzled guys. We'd still relatively new but we we had mastered some things and had created a presence in the, yeah, in the you, market you ch- and you'd shown you were successful yeah we sure. were successful and so they used us as 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 targets but a lot of them like blew us blew, blew right past us they got so good so fast and so what so they looked at us as as friendly competition and then we had to start looking at them as friendly competition <laughs> but and competition is, is is a weird word it may not be exactly the right word it's more inspiration we yeah. we would all use each other and bounce things off each other for, as a form of inspiration yeah. i guess that was definitely true for a lot storm effect to your, to your as well question. Yeah. yeah well and i i was part of the generation that came in looking up to these guys yeah. because but well, you were you were the head of the coloring department well and at the time I didn't know that's what was going to happen when, yeah when, sure when I made a, a decision that I wanted to work in the comic book industry and, and I thought uh, even before the talent search came out I was like I want to work for them I want to work with these guys because they were at the top of their game in, in the industry and, and so making ways with the talent search and I think I think that that Campbell and Garner and Booth will all echo that that's exactly what we all thought. It's like, we want to work with those guys. Uh, so that uh, we all looked up to them and we all wanted to, to be in, and kind of sponge off of them as much sure. as possible. So I think we all kind of came in with that, like, okay, what can we do? How can we do this? And, 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 and we're happy to do whatever you need us to. Um, because I, bet, I, we bet, went, I bet Chido was definitely like, oh, he's, if, if talk, as far as... You know, yeah. the, the, the biggest influence. Uh, if you were to ask me, who is your biggest influence? Joe Chido. Joe Chido. My work is about eighty-five percent Joe Chido. Uh, and who doesn't a, really work in comics much no. anymore? He, he paints. He's always know. been a painter. Yeah. He, it, and to him, he was always a painter, and then he did comics to to make money so that he could paint. Right, well, he, and he, and he Which painted some comics when that was yes, uh, yes. fashionable, but right, right. sort of uh, yep. fell to yep. the wayside. That kind and of so that it, it's funny that a lot of my influences are are uh, because of the nature of of when I came in, how I came in, because all the colors before me in comics were just really flat work. Uh, I looked to a lot of painters, so like yeah. Barley's a huge influence of mine, and then it it, it kind of opens up to to guys like Van Gogh and and, and people who I studied. As, as a student and how they treated light and color that, that become my influences. Okay. Any more questions? Go ahead. Um, Eat the mic. Eat yeah. the mic, yeah. There's always an emergency in the U.S. Uh, to give something monthly. Uh, in Europe, we have another process. So you get one or two years and then you give the book and said, that's my work. 
We need to move to Europe. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> and I, and did I, you I know ever, what you're saying is true. That sounds, that sounds you, wonderful to me. Yeah. Did you ever really want it to do that the same way? I could, if you could sign me up for that right now, I'll I'd take d- it. That all sounds, day, every day. Sounds, if I remember. Um, <laughs> especially, especially, as, as, especially as I've gotten older. I mean, I, I've now been doing this for well over 30 years. And when you're young, it's really much easier to put in the 15-hour days in order to create a book that comes out every 30 days. Uh, and you do whatever it takes, and you don't mind getting paid nothing, and the stress, it's, it's all okay. But then at some point, as you get older, either family obligations or your health or, or, or the newness of it wears off, I think I'm still pretty passionate about comics, but it's much, much harder to do those types of crazy hours, and, and I... I will often refuse to do it these days to the point where, yeah, if you could somehow do, if I could somehow do comics that were interesting to me in the format you're talking about, maybe have a year carved out where you're doing everything and then you put it on the publisher's desk and say, let's go with this. DC sort of has that a little bit with their Earth One books. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Some of their their direct to, to... to graphic novel, I don't think I don't think you've got quite yeah. that much leeway in time. Yeah. You know, in other words, I think there is a more luxurious uh, time frame that European publishers allow, and I don't know if that's just because their business model is different, or they or they or they regularly work with artists that are just sort of used to that. There's less of the division, and an artist less, and does division, pencil, and, ink, and, color. And, 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 you know. Yeah. No and doubt, no, no, no doubt. And for DC, would like to get your money every month. In fact, so much so that now it's bi-monthly over yeah, there. Some sure. books. I work on Harley Quinn that comes out twice a month. Yeah. Um, so they definitely would rather just get your money more often than at one point. Would you say then they, they still want it good too? Right. Right. Yeah. They, they, but would they, you say then that they treat their artists less as really artists and more as? Um, Employees that yes. that need to get yeah, work done. Uh, I mean, they're y- need they're, to put in their hours. Both. I mean, it's they, I think so. they, I, in 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 my mind, they treat us as well as the system allows. So they're you know some of the guys who are in charge of making sure the the artists and the talent are happy. I think they really do the best they can, but the reality is the books have to come out right. on such and such at such and yeah, such a schedule. Sure. So there's really not a whole lot they can do to make it easier on us because we're not in the business to publish a comic every one year or two years for the most part other than you know an occasional yeah. exception yeah i remember the superman and chain was supposed to be 12 issue and was nine was it you may be right i that i i couldn't tell i do know that <laughs> if jimmy uh, had the time to do that yeah um, i mean i I think I think the one thing that people sort of miss as far as Jim's job is is that it's 100% a full-time job. So if you're working 40 or 50 hours a week on your full-time job and he's also got a you know he's got a family life, he's got a large family, um new, you know, some young young kids in his family. So so he has to and, and the fact that you get that we get as much of Jim's art as we do is a bit of a miracle enough and a sort of a function of his freaky ability to sort of minimize sleep. Yeah. Uh, if you ever follow him on social media, you'll find him drawing and posting at 
in in the U.S. at three in the morning, four in the morning, five in the morning, yeah. and then getting like you know a, a, an hour or two of nap before he goes into work. Yeah. Um, I think we'd all like to have twelve issues in a row of Jim's work on a regular, you know, every month kind of a thing. But the fact that he's that he produces as much as he does is a bit of a miracle <laughs> yeah. well, uh, I mean uh, him and Joe Quesada sort of have a similar job right but how much does I, yeah Quesada right? hasn't really yeah. done much uh, yeah. these days and Jim is and Jim actually you know I, I, whether or not he I don't know if he has a reputation for either being slow or, or whatever he's not slow I mean if you, you, there's plenty of video go on YouTube go on his you know Instagram you can find Tons of examples of him drawing. Watch him draw. The guy is blazing fast. Yes. The only reason he the only reason he can produce what he produces is because it's just stupid how fast yeah. he can draw. He's decided not it's to like almost, I mean, it's almost a magic trick. It's uh, it's yeah. it's stupid. It yeah. just shouldn't nobody should be able to do that. But you know. We all get angry because we yeah. can't draw he makes, that fast. He, and he makes it look easy that good, that and fast. it looks great. And it's like yeah. fuck you, Jim. <laughs> maybe we'll end on that uh, any more questions <laughs> no then I that, go right ahead sir hi um, you will do Immortal Man with uh, Jim Lee for the new uh, new age of DC Heroes um, you will do the six first uh, issue or more or Of, are you talking about Immortal Man? Immortal Man. Immortal yeah. Man yeah. I don't think it's going to be six issues. Six issues. I don't, I don't know if they've officially announced the number. I don't think it's going to be six issues. Okay. Yeah. So I, 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 <laughs> I think I think that's. I, I mean, I think there's always. Again, it's like what we said. I think there's always. We would always love to have him do twelve issues or fifteen issues or twenty or whatever. But I think the reality is, I think he's good to sort of prime the pump and to, and to get people interested in, 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 a, in, a, in a series. Um, and I think whatever we can get out of him, we just look at that as, as, as a bonus. Um, yeah. But I think that I, you know, I think what you'll, I think what, and I, I don't want to speak for Jim, but I think what eventually you'll do, I think he'll probably eventually um, back off on some of the, his more kind of publishy editorial duties and do a lot more sort of self-directed, complete works Whether or, not, whether or not that means him, you know, drawing and inking and writing and tonal. I don't know. I mean, he's, he's a kind of a renaissance guy. He can do a lot of different things. I think, yeah. I, you know, I don't, he's, I think at some point, I think he will slow down uh, from a business standpoint. And he, he still loves drawing. And, he, and you can't draw that well unless you love to draw. Yeah. And he loves, he loves drawing. But I also think he likes a lot of different challenges. And it's big. That's big. That's yeah. a big part of his life is a lot of different challenges. So I don't think you'll ever get. You'll never get him doing twelve issues of uh, a year of, of a comic. The, yeah. Those days. Those days are gone. But you're gonna get what you're gonna get. Yeah. And, and, and you'll you, like you want to be happy for it, right? And I think yeah. it, it, he doesn't have to draw to make a living. No, he, no. he could be fine just working yeah. at, at DC, and that he does it because he loves it. I mean, right. that's and that's. And I think but you not see that, that in the pages, yeah. too. Uh, that love for, for the medium is in every panel of every page, too. Yeah. Uh, would you like to draw, or, like uh, the question before, like uh, the new Batman by Marini, the European? So will he, will he do maybe you two or uh, with a European artist? to do the... Um, Elseworlds uh, 
in every character you want uh, with a Europe character, but uh, with um, Jim Lee is um, behind Batman Marini, no? You don't know uh, anything about that, or no? No, we no? Okay. I mean, okay. <laughs> I, I'm, I mean, I love working with. I think my favorite thing about the comics industry is the collaborative process that you get to work with multiple artists. For me, especially, I get to do more than one book a month, so I get to work with multi, even that many more artists a month. So my appeal to that is that I get to kind of jump around and work with different groups. Uh, so uh, and and I'm I'm very fond of. European artists and their styles and the little nuances of their work and the color palettes. Uh, so uh, right now I'm working on the Jetsons uh, and the artist on the book is Italian and, and I very purposely in speaking with Jimmy Palmiotti, the writer decided I said, I, I can't color this the US way. We have to do this with European palettes. So that's it's kind of cool because it's, it's almost like a learning process for me to, to see it, the palettes in a diff- from a different perspective. Okay. Thanks. Any more questions? Then I will thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Scott and uh, Alex. We have party And gifts. we have uh, a party gift for each and every one of you. Uh, so please come by and I'll get you one. Thanks thank a lot. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you very thank much. You. Like a dog with a